0: I feel like nines really struggle with imposter syndrome, especially nines like, that are first starting out in the career, like workplace. And But I think nines deal with the idea of like, they're just kind of like the clown in the room and they're hoping that no one figures out that they're not actually the adult. This is a show about self-discovery.
1: About understanding ourselves.
0: About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are.
1: This is about how we relate to God
0: and everyone else.
1: From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky, welcome, 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 to the cast Hey, welcome to the cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks.
2: And I'm Lindsay Lewis.
1: Today... We're going to talk about type nines on the Enneagram at work, and hopefully we're not freaking you out, <laughs> keeping you nice and calm. Yeah, so this season, we're exploring the Enneagram at work, and today we are we're going to talk about type nines, the peacemaker. We're going to be looking at some of the ways that nines relate and operate in a work setting and how nines can bring their true self to the workplace. And we're also going to have some tips for how to get along with a type nine coworker. So if you have a coworker who is a nine, make sure you stick around for those. All right, Lindsay, where do we start?
2: Well, to look at the nines at work, we'll start by using the five truths that we looked at in episode 46. As a reminder, those five things are, work starts with God, work is good, work serves a greater purpose, work is not the way it should be, and work is redeemed through the gospel.
1: Okay, so in light of that, let's dive into type nine, the peacemaker at work. Okay, so the first truth in talking about work is that number one, work starts with God. And here's what that means. All the types reflect a certain aspect of God's character. In nines, you reflect God's peace and oneness. You bring a sense of that God is in control, that it's all gonna work out in God's timing, that we can be patient, that everything is interconnected, Mm -hmm. and that God is aware and in control of all of these things. This reflection is part of what we call our true self, and it can show itself in lots of different ways.
2: And that naturally leads us to truth number two, which is that work is good. God created work to be a good thing, and we can see he also created nines as a good thing. They're complete and whole in their true self. And when nines are healthy, they reflect this goodness at work. So let's talk about some of the good things a nine can bring to their workplace. First off, they can be very objective and unbiased. So the nine kind of sits at the very top of all the numbers on the Enneagram. And many teachers say that's because they can look down and they can see from every single number's point of view. They're very unbiased about their own perspective because they're so busy understanding where everybody else is coming from
1: yeah yeah also they're really supportive of others nines don't feel the need to be in the spotlight and mm-hmm. make it all about them like they're not very selfish they really want their coworkers or their company to succeed and they want to support that vision and mission along the way
2: mm-hmm. nines are also very approachable they can get along with just about anyone, and they're just nice. Yeah. So they kind of just give off this nice feel that makes you want to talk to them.
1: Yeah, like when a nine walks into the room, you feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the nature of what they bring, and that allows other people to feel like they can approach them and talk to them about things. And then finally, nines are really dependable. Nines do not make sudden changes. That mm-hmm. is not in their nature. So whatever their discipline, routine, habits are, mm-hmm. they just stay the course with with that and so especially in work environments where we'll talk about this in a little bit but nines go to the three nines tend to be just very dependable reliable people
2: that makes me think of my husband drew he's amazing and he's a nine And his very first kind of post-college job, he was just looking for something to pay the bills. And he interviewed at a very type A workplace. And he got to the final interview and the boss told him, I never hire anybody that is not type A, but I don't have any reason not to hire you. So if you really want to work here, you're going to be miserable, but you're hired. And so he was hired and he did amazing. Nines can be so great in a fast paced workplace because they bring the chill. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you're going into a stressful place, it's so nice to interact with a coworker who has that. It's going to be okay. We're going to all do our jobs. It's going to work out fine. But then he also brings the three. So when he's doing a job, especially that he enjoys, he brings a lot of that energy of goals, moving forward, fast paced, reliable. Um, Nines can really kind of wake up when they're at their workplace because they get those tools from the three.
1: Yeah. Like when I think of a nine, I think of like a flatbed truck on an icy road. They do best when they have some weight Mm. in the back. Mm -hmm. Like when they don't, they're just sliding all over the place, going with whatever <laughs> happens. But yeah. but a nine, when a nine has a little bit of weight in the back, man, they can really execute and get it done.
2: Yeah. So work starts with God. Work is good. Let's move on to truth number three, which is work serves a greater purpose. And that purpose is relationships. All of life is relational. So even if you're hoping your workplace will be a mission field to spread the gospel, it has to start with building relationships.
1: Yeah, and a common relationship often seen in the workplace is that of a supervisor and supervisees. So let's talk about how a nine might relate to that relational dynamic. Nines often prefer the role of being supervised. Nines are content with being an individual part in a larger picture. They're generally cooperative. They're going to work hard, but they also want to feel like they are part of something bigger than Mm -hmm. them and they have the opportunity to, provide their input
2: right and even though many nines might not prefer to be in charge when a nine is in a supervisor role they can do really well they have a positive attitude they're always thinking of the collective group and they have a knack for bringing together people of different strengths and talents in order to accomplish something
1: great okay so the first three truths are work starts with god work is good and work serves a greater purpose
2: And those show us that the nines have so many good qualities that they bring to the work environment.
1: That is true, but anyone who woke up this morning knows work isn't always this good or ideal, which actually brings us to truth number four. Work is not the way it should be. Because of sin, everything is affected by brokenness, including our work. And for nines, that means that not only do they bring their true self to work, but their false self also tags along with them. And a lot of the false self for the nine comes out in the form of their deadly sin, which is sloth or laziness. Or sometimes we use an old fashioned word indolence, which mm-hmm. means an avoidance of exertion. Or it shows up in their idol, which is harmony. Um, so let's talk about some of the specific ways that this sin, this false self, shows up at work for a nine. First, nines, when they're not in a good place, they tend to focus on non-essentials. So if there are 10 items on the list and items 1, 2, and 3 are the ones that really, really matter where there are real stakes, mm-hmm. the 9 will do items 4 through 10 and can become infuriating for coworkers.
2: Right. And Sometimes I'm not even sure the 9 knows they're non-essentials. Yeah. Like sometimes their priorities just make everything look equal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They can get very confused about what's a priority and what's not.
2: Right. And that can lead to them being easily overwhelmed. If you don't kind of have an order of operations and a list of a hierarchy of needs for the organization. It's easy to feel just scattered and overwhelmed and that your thoughts aren't really organized.
1: Yeah, they can kind of see everything feels important and everything Mm -hmm. is in a big pile. And the nine, because they can struggle with mental clarity at times, don't always do the best at breaking things down into very Mm bite-sized projects. And so, of course, they're looking, they're going, there's a hundred things to do, and they feel overwhelmed. And then, of course, the tendency and temptation is to retreat. Mm. The other thing, too, is that they can sometimes never speak up or not really have anything verbally to contribute. Uh, When coworkers or bosses are asking for feedback, they can avoid saying no even Mm -hmm. when they need to have boundaries. And the thing is this, as much as the nine hates conflict when they struggle with boundaries or they don't speak up when it's important, Mm -hmm. guess what? They bring conflict Mm -hmm. into that environment.
2: So what you're saying is avoiding conflict brings conflict. Absolutely, (laughs) yes. So then the nine can also get stubborn. And this is kind of one of those things you wouldn't think, somebody who wants no conflict. But nines can be really stubborn when they're told what to do. They do not want to be micromanaged or bossed around or treated like, they don't matter or they don't know what they're doing so it can be a little tricky you know the carrot and the stick situation when you're working with a 9 coworker.
1: yeah that's that body type they like that mm-hmm. autonomy so if you boss them around too much they'll feel like you're taking away their free will Yep. so yeah nines are the most stubborn of all of the Enneagram types mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure if you're a nine you're like I'm not that stubborn yes you are you are that <laughs> stubborn and uh, on behalf of your loved ones I'm the one that's gonna tell you that um, another way that we see the false self manifest at work Work is through our stress arrow. You know, work can be really stressful. And when a nine gets stressed, they can actually move into the sixth space. So, Lindsay, what's that look like?
2: So when a nine is going to the sixth space, they're going to feel a lot more anxiety. You know, that overwhelm and disorganized thoughts can become a spiral for anxious thoughts and worst case scenarios and getting themselves really worked up about eventualities that might actually not ever happen. Mm -hmm. And so then they spend all their energy in this worry place instead of getting organized and getting things done. Mm -hmm. But just like all of us, they can use that stress arrow for their own good. You know, they can harness some of that anxiety to get kind of a healthy fear of what's gonna happen if they don't get their work done and get a plan ask for help if they need help from their team to get organized and get moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then they also can use that six energy just to further develop their loyalty, their stick with itness to the team and to whatever the project at hand is.
1: Yeah, reliability can come Mm -hmm. out, yeah, for sure. If you wanna know more about stress and how to handle it well, go back and listen to episode number 42, which is all about the Enneagram and stress.
2: So, so far we have seen that work starts with God, work is good, It serves a greater purpose, but that it isn't the way it's supposed to be. So the question is, how do we get back to the original design that God created?
1: Well, the answer is in the fifth and final truth, which is work is redeemed through the gospel. You know, each type has a particular message that God speaks to them. It's a message of both forgiveness and healing. And we talked about this at length in season three. The message God speaks to the nine is this. Your presence matters.
2: In Acts 13, 47, it says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the nine learns to hear and accept this message that they're a light in their work, It frees them to grow into their virtue and step back into their true self in Christ.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of Enneagram sources teach that the virtue is what changes us. But we would say that as Christians, it's Jesus and the gospel that bring change and renewal. And the virtue is simply just the outward fruit of that inward change. And that virtue that the nine begins to display is exertion. You begin to spend your energy on the right things and begin to do the hard work both inside of you and outside of you. So the
2: question is, how can we lean into this virtue of exertion at work? And that brings us to our final part of the teaching. It's now time for Tips for Types. So these first four tips are for the nines at work. So number one, lean into your growth arrow. Take as many tools from that type three as you can. Set those goals. Make a plan for how you're going to achieve those goals and get moving.
1: Yeah. Get stuff done. Yes. We say that a healthy nine until the day you die, you should wake up every day and make a to-do list. Mm -hmm. Three items go on the list and your job is to get those three items done. Make the list. Do the list. That's right. Make the list. That's your mantra (laughs) from here on out. Number two, if a project seems too big or overwhelming, break it into smaller steps or goals. You need a long term plan on some things at work. So you may end up with a to do list for the year that's 150 items, mm-hmm. but you can't do that on a daily basis. That's going to break any human being's brain. So just show up and again, just break it down into small tasks. And if you're having a hard time with that, ask a coworker to help you do that. Uh, somebody on your team that seems like they are, you know, better equipped at mentally getting that done, sit down with them, break it down into smaller steps.
2: That actually goes right with our tip number three, which is ask friends to help you with decisions. So if you need help prioritizing, breaking down a task, or even you just need someone to articulate your thoughts to, or someone who will keep you accountable for making decisions, it's okay to need a friend to help you sort that out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of nines are verbal processors, Mm -hmm. so they need to say things out loud, and they come to self-revelation as they're Mm -hmm. speaking. And so some nines make the mistake of, I'm going to figure out internally, but often your internal world is vague. Yeah. So journaling or saying it out loud gets it into tangible form Mm -hmm. where you can begin to organize it. So if you're a type nine, I really discourage you from thinking, I'm just going to think on it and think on it. You don't typically tend to roll in a very healthy way. Mm -hmm. So. Get it out. Tip number four, set a time limit for how long you're not going to contribute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or the inverse, set a timer for how often you're gonna speak up and contribute. So if you're in a group setting, it's very easy for you to blend in and to just become a wallflower. Set a timer that makes your phone vibrate in your pocket and every time it goes off, so if every five minutes, 10 minutes, speak up and contribute to whatever's taking place around you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are some tips for the nine, but relationships go both ways. So if you're not a nine, but you have a type nine coworker, here are four tips to help you relate to nines.
2: Number one, focus on what they have done rather than what they haven't done, because doing begets doing. If a nine can see they've done this, they've done this, it actually might motivate them to keep
1: going. Yeah, point out the positive results of mm-hmm. the work that they've done mm-hmm. because they have a little belief inside of them says, whether I show up or don't show up doesn't make mm-hmm. a difference. Doesn't matter. Remind them that when they showed up, that it did make a difference. Tip number two, use phrases like, would you like to X or Y or would you help me with X or Y? The tip here is don't demand something or command something, but instead give the nine a couple of options to Mm -hmm. choose from. When a nine is able to uh, step into their own autonomy, it motivates them in general to step into their autonomy in other areas as well. That's right. Number three, when possible, offer choices when a decision needs
2: to be made. So sometimes a nine doesn't know what they think at first or what they want, But if you say, would you like to do A or B or C and give them a chance to think on it, they might be able to even come up with a D on their own. But it helps to get their mind going if you give them some multiple choice answers.
1: Yeah. Or ask them what they don't want to do. Yes. Sometimes they can articulate that a little more clearly. And finally, number four, encourage space for them to express frustration. Nines are uncomfortable with their anger and their frustration but they need a space to be able to express that. So whether you're a coworker or a boss, ask that question. What's not going well? Mm -hmm. What are you frustrated with in your work? What is upsetting you? What are you not enjoying? Mm -hmm. And anticipate it's going to take them a while. Nines need a long runway to take off, Mm -hmm. but it's really critical. If a nine feels like you are giving them a space where they're allowed to be disgruntled and upset Mm -hmm. and frustrated, nines tend to stick with things for a long time. They'll Mm -hmm. stick with you. Yeah. Okay, so those are our tips for type nine. When we come back, we'll be talking with a very familiar voice to the Enneacast, our very own Sam Stevenson. Stay with us.
0: Hey, it's Anna, media editor. Here at Love Thy Neighborhood, our summer interns just wrapped up their three-month long internship, where they lived, worked, and served right here in Louisville, Kentucky. My name is Silas McCord, and I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. Silas is a type nine on the Enneagram and was our videography intern here at the offices. He shared with me one of the ways he experienced close Christian community this summer.
1: The greatest part was just
0: being able to be completely open and honest about everything that was going on in our lives. And a lot of these guys are like very different from me. Just being able to see how relationships can still grow between um, those differences and can even grow like because of those differences has been really awesome to see that God is kind of ordaining all of those differences. If you want to find your internship or social action in Christian Community Meet, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. That's lovethyneighborhood.org.
1: Welcome back to the cast, I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Our guest today is a familiar voice on the Enneacast, Sam Stevenson. Hey, Woo! Sam. Hello. Of course, Sam was my co-host on this show for the first three seasons. Currently, Sam is a special education teacher. She's also working on a master's degree in teaching with an emphasis on learning and behavior disorders and she is a nine on the Enneagram. Welcome back, my friend. Great to be here. Yeah. Okay, so I guess help listeners understand. So what's your job and like describe your work environment?
0: Yeah, so I work primarily with first graders in a co-teach classroom, which means that I'm with the same students all day. So typically special education placements, you have a caseload with 10 or 12 students on it and you may float from grade to grade. So my particular school adheres to the co-teach model, which means that the special education or gifted minds teachers stay in the classroom all day. That's my like job title as a whole. My work environment, well, I work with first graders and there's only about 20 of them because of the COVID restrictions. There were some virtual students and so we have a smaller roster this year than typical, but they are every bit as energetic as a group of 30. So I love them dearly. I cannot imagine loving a group of kids more. Um, They make me better every single day. Some call me Miss Stevie and I think that's really cute. And, (laughs) and, you know, I I do everything from like help tie shoes and get band-aids to... Help with academics, and you know, doing three-digit math problems, and you know, solving crises on the playground. It's just kind of whatever happens, happens, and I'm there to help.
1: And I'm also thinking too about this. Like, my wife works in the public school system, uh, just like you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about like, you have other teachers you work with, you have school counselors you work with, you have parents you interact with, like. You oh, have yeah. a lot of personalities that <laughs> you have to interact that with. Stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: I have. Yeah, especially as a special education teacher, you're working constantly with the speech pathologist, the occupational yeah. therapist, you know, the the arc chair. So in addition to the you know twenty or so kids that I see every day, I have co teachers and team leaders and principals, assistant principals, curriculum coaches. It's the nonstop shop. <laughs> that is a lot of personality. <laughs> <it> <laughs> So, Sam, you're not a newbie to the Enneagram, but was there anything from today's teaching that really resonated with you? Jesse, you said something about um, that nines take their time before a transition, and they're pretty predictable. And I knew that to be true, but I think that's one thing that I have seen that my students really have come to appreciate about myself and my co-teacher is that they, they know what they're getting every day. And they know what our expectations are. They know how much we love them. They know what the rules are. And that's a big gift that I see myself bringing into the classroom. But then, Lindsay, the story that you told about Drew really was inspiring for me because he was just being himself and he had confidence to do the job that was put in front of him. And the people around him took notice of that. And I think that that's a story that a lot of nines could benefit from hearing because a lot of times we just need to hear an example of somebody like us doing the thing that we're scared to do. So that's what really stood out to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it easier to be a supervisor or to be supervised by someone else?
0: Oh, man, I'm both in my role pretty acutely. Um, So my role as a supervisor is a pretty high stress just because the stakes feel higher because I'm talking to a seven-year-old who the stakes are extremely high for. But whenever I'm supervised, I also enjoy that role because I feel like my administration puts a lot of trust and autonomy onto our staff. And that's a great opportunity for people like me because I feel like I can be myself and and I can make my own decisions. It's kind of a hard question to answer just because this year is so bizarre. And I'm hoping that this is one of the only years that's like this. Mm -hmm. But I guess to summarize, I think I prefer being the supervisor because the payoff, I think, is greater. How do you tend to see your true self
2: showing up at work? Where are your strengths playing and what do you bring to the table with your team?
0: Yeah. So in my particular role, I'm one of two teachers in the classroom. My lead teacher takes the macro level approach to situations and I am in the weeds and the details and the micro level occurrences, helping sharpen pencils, helping, you know, tie shoes, helping get band-aids, like all of the behind the scenes stuff. And that honestly is when I feel the most Christ-like. And I don't say that lightly. I say that because I know that Jesus is in the details and I know that he cares about the little ones and the little ones trust him and they come to him. And I was thinking about today. I have after school a role of supervising the kids in the car rider line, and I do that every single day. And there's one particular girl who just kind of raised her hand, but she didn't say much. All she did was show me her finger. It was kind of like a a hangnail situation, but it hurt her, like, and she didn't want to just sit there with it hurting. She wanted to tell somebody and she probably wanted a Band-Aid. It wasn't bleeding, but I knew that that would make her feel better. So I went to the nurse and found a Band-Aid and of course that was, you know, it was okay. Situations like that make me feel like I am living into my true self because I'm seeing things not everybody sees or cares about. I'm there for the kids, you know, and I want to make sure that the kids feel loved and safe and cared for because I don't know what they go home to every day. But when they come to school, I want them to know that they matter. If I can make one kid feel like they have a voice or that they can make a difference, I feel like that's my true self mm. Mm. I love that
2: so you're literally showing up yeah you're showing up to the raised hand to the nurse's office to the scraped knee you're showing up and saying really saying to them your presence matters too mm-hmm. and I'm here for you and you're using those gifts in every single small way and that makes such a huge impact on all these little lives I think yeah that's so awesome
1: so what is a time that you have seen your false self show up at work and it's had consequences so whether that's Indolence, you know, sloth, the addiction to I need peace at all costs. Whether that's the issue of like I'm freaking out going into the non-resourceful sex. Like, what's a time that the false self showed up and there were some consequences for that?
0: Yeah. So I think that I can live into my false self at times because I do get drained by all the relational energy in the room and in the school, and because I want to love every single student that passes me in the hallway. Sometimes I just don't show up with my best self. Um, One particular example I can think of before I started teaching was actually whenever I was on staff here. As some of you guys know, I was the recruitment manager. And there would just be times where I was so overwhelmed by the interviews and the stories and the deadlines and all the things that I just like mentally couldn't keep up with it all i was just so bogged down by so-and-so story of what if they didn't do the program and you know i, I invest an hour and a half into an interview that was supposed to be 45 minutes and i think and it just it's like kinda next wears person on you. you know yeah you yeah. Just have to roll with the punches a lot and i think the same is true for teaching like you just have to like brush some things off and keep going because there's more people that need you yeah and i want to be helpful to everybody and i think that that is a, a lie that the nine can tell themselves is that i i can be all things to all people. So it just it does create a cycle of of not knowing when to quit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We hear often that
2: a common mistype with nine is two. And I think that's kind of where we hear this happening of the nines can just lose all their energy because all the relationships and demands in the room are just sucking them dry. Mm -hmm. And then they don't even know they're empty till they're empty. Yeah. Does that Mm -hmm. feel
0: true? Yes. And especially because of my current situation where I'm in school full time as well. So I'm not only a student, but I'm also or not only am I a teacher, but I'm also a student. So I come home from work and I have a couple hours of homework or an hour and a half lecture to listen to. And I just don't really get a lot of time for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's the weekend, sometimes I have homework to do. Or if it's an evening, sometimes I just want to come home and accidentally fall asleep on the couch like I used to, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just feel I totally feel like a two at times because I I want to be available and I have to be on for long hours of the day and I don't really know how to say no. Mm -hmm. What we see is that in the gospel, what
2: Jesus says to you and to all nines and really to all of his people, your presence matters. And I've already seen a lot of ways that you are bringing that, but I would love to hear you share what ways do you apply this message at work? Are you seeing this message in your own life?
0: Man, this is a hard question, not only because I have hard time answering like that example but just because i don't often believe that to be true Mm -hmm. even still when i know that i have a group of 20 kids that will notice when i'm not there like some mornings it's hard to justify that and believe that you know and just to get up and go and it's hard to believe that i one am doing the right thing i don't think you guys mentioned this but i feel like nines really struggle with imposter syndrome especially nines like that are first starting out in the career like workplace and but I think nines deal with the idea of like they're just kind of like the clown in the room and they're hoping that no one figures out that they're not actually the adult and the kids see me as an adult because I'm like the same age as some of their parents I'm like 20 or something years older than them I don't want to be reluctant to receiving positive praise but it's so hard and it's so countercultural to what I am used to believing you know I was talking to a student today who was having a bad day and I had to tell him, I said, look, like, if you're looking for a story to have a bad day, if you're looking for examples about your day that are bad, you're going to find them. Like, you can hold on to some things that are hard and make that a story. Or you can think of ways to make yourself have a good day and find examples about your morning that were good and the playground that was fun and all of these things. And so I can believe bad story about myself. But what does that say about, you know, the people that hired me you know like or the people that show up for me every day or the kids that believe in me or the kids that you know have seen themselves grow as a result of my influence so I don't want to be reluctant I want to believe that good story but it's it's intentional and it's hard
1: yeah okay well stay with us because when we come back we'll be playing if you had to with Sam Stevenson we'll be right back On today's episode of the IndiaCast, we're exploring type nine, the peacemaker at work. And the gospel message for nines is that your presence matters. When nines fully embrace this, they can learn to take initiative and exert themselves in their faith and the mission of God. To hear stories of people learning to take initiative, check out our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number 32, where the gospel meets evangelism. People are weary of the gimmicks and programs of evangelism.
0: I just didn't know what to say. It was like I had done it incorrectly. Like I asked the wrong question at the wrong time.
1: Millennials are the most evangelism-averse generation on record. And if you have answers and ideas, I will gladly listen to them. And I was just praying while I was weed eating for an opportunity to chat with him. Jesus loves you. We do too. You can subscribe to the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, or by heading over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash L-T-N podcast. That's org slash L-T-N podcast. Welcome back to the Unicast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for If You Had To. So our game today is called If You Had To, here's how it works. Lindsay and I both have a set of cards with different terrible or unpleasant scenarios on them. For each round, we will present you with a scenario. And out of those two scenarios, you have to choose which one you would rather do. But before you choose, we will each get to sabotage the other person's scenario with another card, making it even more terrible. So we will give you the scenarios, then we'll sabotage, then you'll have to make your choice. Whichever scenario you pick, that person gets a point. We're going to play three rounds. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. Are you both ready to play?
2: Ready. Okay.
1: Okay, uh, Lindsay. Because I know Sam better Mm. and will definitely win this game. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you go first.
2: I just want to say that I will be happy for you to win if you win.
1: I actually now feel really worried if I don't win (laughs) what that says about Sam and my friendship.
2: Okay, Sam. You are a walking human magnet that attracts all metal and ruins electronics. But I just want to let you know that metal is very precious and it can earn you a lot of money. And... You will get more sleep. What is this commentary? Because what is this extra commentary? You'll be ruining the electronics, and they create cloth that can actually go around magnets that keeps <laughs> them from always attracting metal. I Feel
1: like we got into the debate team. What, what's going on here?
2: I just wanted her to have a full understanding.
1: Right, well, Sam, Sam, thank you. Uh, Sam, next option. Every minute, you need to tell everyone what time it is. <laughs> it's it, three oh seven. It's three oh eight. Man, so much news like that.
0: They ask what time it is all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you, every minute, you need to tell everyone what time it is while inside a giant hamster ball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just shrugged your shoulders like that's not a big deal
2: <laughs> I, I was actually thinking maybe, maybe nines and, would like a big giant hamster ball <laughs> and just like spectacle like that would be interesting
1: okay so you're a walking human magnet that attracts all metal and ruins electronics and you are trapped in a potato sack <laughs> what? trapped? trapped you are trapped in a tiny potato sack you can't even stand up all the way you're trapped oh my gosh mm. I choose
0: the hamster ball situation.
1: She wants to tell people oh, yeah. what time it is. Yeah, So I got a point. You got a yeah. point. Yeah, in your face,
2: Lindsay Lewis. <laughs> I mean, boo. I got excited for you for a second and then.
1: I love that you're so encouraging that you were even willing to cheer me on at your own demise.
2: <laughs> all right, winner, winner, chicken dinner, you go first.
1: Okay, Sam, here's the option I have for you, my friend. The option is for you to eat all of your meals off of Vin Diesel's head. <laughs> I don't like that.
0: Okay.
2: Sam, mine is that you have to sing everything. Okay. Like a musical.
0: I kind of hate musicals. Mm. Okay.
1: Well, let me add to that. (laughs) Sam, you have to sing everything. Go. Sing. No. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Okay. You have to sing everything. And surprise, you're pregnant. (gasps) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, Sam, we're going to throw you a baby shower. Okay. Mm. Get free stuff.
2: So Sam, you're eating all of your meals off of Vin Diesel's head. Yeah, you are, while on a pogo
0: stick.
1: <laughs> um, that takes talent. No, I actually no. want to see Just that now. Image.
0: Yeah, I'm like, how does that even? Does Vin Diesel also have to be on a pogo stick? For that to work? <laughs> yeah,
1: how <does> it? How, <laughs> does, does, the, how does that work?
0: Yeah. Um, maybe I'll be the next Virgin Mary and then like star in a musical because I think that's the one I'm going to go with. Yes, one to one.
1: So, you would rather sing. You would rather sing than eat off of Vin Diesel's head. I would rather not be on a pogo stick. Yes. That was what did it? All <laughs> yes. those things in the pogo stick is yeah, what did it. That
0: takes a lot of effort.
1: Okay. Uh, Lindsay, go ahead.
2: All right, Sam. You would have to get unexpectedly beaten. With a stale baguette by an Italian mm-hmm. grandma, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: Does she would feel guilty later
2: and make you a home cooked <laughs> meal.
0: Oh, is that like is
2: that
1: what you added? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's like the Golden Girls <laughs> meets Grand Theft Auto. That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Okay, uh, or you're an employee at Walmart and every day is Black Friday. Oh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so Jesse said you're an employee at Walmart and every day is Black Friday. And while you're there working, you also have no bones <laughs> That's, you're very you're uh, being trampled <laughs> and think of how dirty the floor of Walmart is. Oh gosh mm. yeah
1: okay so you get unexpectedly beaten with a stale baguette by an Italian grandma and you have two extra legs. what
0: the better to run with <laughs> um, man. That one really threw me off because my immediate thought was, oh, I've worked retail for eight years. I've done my fair share of Black Fridays. I'm not doing them anymore, especially at Walmart. Stick with that gut feeling. Gut triad. <laughs> gut feeling. So I'm going to have to go with the Italian grandmother because yes! it implies that I'm in Italy. Yeah. And I love that idea. Sam? <laughs> yes?
1: I think our friendship is over here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Your presence mattered in this game today. Thank you. Man,
1: even with Sam... I can't yeah. win.
0: Especially with Sam, you can't win. Are you kidding? Wow.
1: <laughs> okay, and now it's time for listener questions. Okay, this question comes from MZ Goodnight. Work energy can drain me from having energy in my personal life. How can I balance both? schedule it
0: because if i know that i have something to do in the afternoon or on a friday or saturday i will somehow miraculously store energy for that event and i'm not (laughs) i'm not joking like versus if i were to just come home and a friend texts me and wants to go out to dinner or if i had something to do on the morning saturday but nothing planned and then something came up it's really really hard to do that because i'm so drained and i can justify my tiredness from how hard i work during the week so but if i schedule something into my day or into my week, then it's like just part of my day and I magically have energy for it.
1: So spontaneous, unexpected events drain you much faster yes. than anticipating it because you have scheduled it.
0: Yeah. And especially if it's like an unknown amount of time, you know, for example, some of my friends like to go out for dinner after work and sometimes I'll go because I enjoy their company and want to hang out and all that stuff. But I need to tell myself before I walk into that building, I need to be at home by 8. I need to be at home by 7 because I need to, like, start winding down my day or start doing homework or doing other things. If it's just like, hey, let's go hang out and then let's also hang out at another place, I can't do that. Spontaneous and the, like, somehow infinite social gatherings. It's just like I can't even – I don't even want to go to the beginning part of it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Our next question
2: comes from Becky has nine lives. That's clever,
1: Becky. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
2: What are some tips for not getting stuck on all the non-essentials?
0: I loved what you said earlier about making a to-do list and then the items just kind of like the numbers look ornamental and therefore not in order of importance. And so I do that. I make a list. and I'm like, they're all equally important. And they all are due tomorrow or whatever. Even if they're like not due tomorrow, I'm like, they have to be started today. So I ease my way into productivity by doing like an easy one first that kind of ramps me back into like work mode. And I think that helps me kind of do the big thing. And I don't do four of those small things. I just do the one and then I get on to like the project that I'm like have been putting off or whatever. So for me, it's like make that list, choose the easiest one, do it first and then move in because you're going to be in the zone. You're going to be able to work harder. And because if you start on the one that's overwhelming you, you're just going to feel overwhelmed and incompetent to even like continue.
1: It's almost like uh, get an early win. And get that quick dopamine hit, you know, from getting a good early victory and then Mm -hmm. let that drive you straight into the thing that is the most important for the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this question comes from Just Brad 987 How can a nine, the most content of the types, know when it is time to look for a different opportunity? Is it okay for nines to stay in less ambitious jobs? Let's take that question in two parts. So Mm -hmm. first half of that question is just this. When does a nine need to go? It's time. It's time to move on from this current scenario that I'm working in.
0: Nines, I think it's okay to stay where you are if you're happy there. Like, I don't think that there's some like ladder you have to climb or expectation you have to meet if it's not your own. And if you're content in the job that you have with the coworkers that you have in the city that you have, like, there's nothing wrong with doing a job that you love. Now, if you don't love it, that's going to require some work on you know, reminding yourself of why you started and maybe building in more vacation time to, like, avoid burnout. Because if the work is really meaningful, and by that I mean, like, really relationally taxing, then you're going to experience burnout at a higher rate than a job that is more, like, data-driven. It just depends on the situation, but be honest with yourself and be honest with the people around you, and hopefully that you guys can come to a conclusion with some of those things.
2: I would say, too, maybe you could look at some of those stress flags we talked about, like, are you finding yourself feeling really stubborn or kind of resentful about the work that you're doing or about your coworkers consistently, where you're in an unhealthy place, or you find yourself completely drained, no energy whatsoever for the rest of your life. You know, work has become the only thing you can give energy to. And there's other things you want to do with your life. I think then you have the freedom to move on and maybe a question for nines would be making sure you're not staying because you don't believe you could be valued somewhere else Mm. because i think that can sometimes be the fear for nines is that Well, I already have a job here. Does my presence matter enough for someone else to see me, see my value and give me my dream job or something else? Yeah.
0: Or do I want to risk disappointing the people I work with by leaving? Yes. That's a huge one, too. They sometimes stay to keep the peace Mm -hmm. because, like, if I leave, then they'll have to find somebody else and train that person, which is going to take time from their job. And, like, it's not that you're just that easily replaceable. It's just that that's sometimes the nature of life. You just move on and you have to kind of start things over.
1: That leads us to the second half of this question. Is it okay for nines to stay in less ambitious jobs? I'm just going to be straight. I have a lot of three. That's always like a hard one for me. Like when I meet a nine that is like really gifted and I just kind of see them settle into a job. And it's one thing if they settle into a job and they're really fulfilled in it and they're really making an impact, but man, it makes me so sad. I do sometimes see nines settle into jobs that are really so far below their capacities and skill sets and they're also not that happy. That doesn't sit real well with me, but I also know, like, I got a lot of that three energy, so I'm also pretty ambitious. So I I feel tension there.
0: Yeah. Hearing the question without thinking too deep into it was immediately thought, no, it's not bad to stay in a less ambitious job, as long as you're not wasting your energy doing non-essential things. I don't have any desire to be a principal of a school one day. Like, I'm not climbing the, like, educational ladder, but that doesn't mean that my work as a teacher isn't meaningful. I think the same goes for people that work in like the nonprofit setting or the financial world or or any other industry for that matter. It's okay to stay where you are as long as the energy is being serving is is being utilized to serve your purpose there. And if you have excess energy, don't squander it on non-essentials. Do what you love, invest in the people around you and make time for your family and just make sure that you're being intentional, I guess, with the way that you spend your energy.
1: I'm wondering, though, how often a nine might stay in a job because they, the nine hasn't done the personal work of knowing their own sense of like, this is what I believe in in life. Like, this is really what I'm about. Mm-hmm. I want as much as possible the decisions I make in my life are about these values And when a nine doesn't do that, then that's where I think some of the real danger can happen, where they can get stuck in a job that in their heart, they really don't believe in it that much. It doesn't really align with their values. But that's also the nine doesn't know their values. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that the nine has to do the work of knowing this is what I care about in life. This is what I want to give myself to and I want to risk myself for. I mean, when I'm hearing you talk about all the ways in which you give to the children that you are working with, like you have a finite amount of energy. You're giving it. And you're giving it because you've decided that those are your values. Um, it's not just something you kind of fell into. Right. It's like I care about this, and I'm pursuing this.
0: Like you said, like don't fall into a career. Choose your career, and if you want to stay there, stay there. If you want to move, move. Like I think that there's just some part of this that is kind of cut and dry. Yeah. Mm. So what I hear really is that this is the perfect question for the Enneagram because
2: there's no right answer. It's about knowing yourself and knowing your motivations. Because it can be yes or no depending on what's motivating you to stay, what's motivating you to go. And you have to know yourself enough to really step into those choices.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Of course. It was so fun. Yeah. Glad to have you back. Yeah, glad to be back. Special thanks to our guest today, Sam Stevenson. She's amazing. One of our favorite folks. So good to have her with us. Teaching content for this episode comes from Crosspoint Ministry, Beatrice Chestnut and Kim Eddy.
2: This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community. For young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org.
1: This episode was edited by Rachel Zabo, Lindsay Lewis, and myself. Rachel is also our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX.
2: I'm Lindsay Lewis.
1: And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Thank you.